Hey, you're listening to the Time and Talks podcast. I'm your host, Dejal V. Patel, and this is the place where we have refreshingly real talks about the biggest problems moms face in motherhood and life and the spiritual solutions to solve them. If you're ready to reset your mindset with some major truth bombs, well then, let's dive in. Well, hello there, mamas. I'm so thrilled you're here. You are listening to the Time and Talks podcast. I'm Thajal V. Patel, and this is the place where I share mindful solutions to modern mom problems. And today we have a mindful parenting episode. If you're new here, I'm all about shifting mindset, bringing spirituality into motherhood and parenting, and also just giving us some really big aha moments of how to live a more positive, more present, and just a more peaceful life for ourselves and for our children. And today we're talking about something that I think now is on the forefront of many of our minds. Raising children who embrace diversity, who are open to learning about different cultures, who believe in inclusion of others as well as understanding the traditions and the beliefs of people who are different than us. We saw a lot through the Black Lives Matter movement to see that racism was being talked about with kids to understanding what anti-racist kids, what does that really look like? How do we raise children who are inclusive? And many times we focus on bringing our culture, our traditions, to our children, right? We want them to stay rooted to their culture, their their country. However, it's just as important to help them understand and learn about other cultures, other beliefs, because that's how we learn to bridge the gap of bringing inclusion, understanding differences, celebrating differences, and not looking at it as something to be scared or be worrisome of. We are ultimately responsible for the country and the world we want our children to live in. And the best thing that we can do is educate them about diversity and other cultures as much as we can. And today's guest is a dear friend of mine and whose passion and mission is really to bring that education and that awareness to our homes. When we think about what's happening in the world and we have those moments of helplessness and powerlessness and we're wondering how in the world can anything change? We are just one person. How do we bring more empathy and break this division that we see in our country that is running rampant? It truly comes down to our children. It's a grassroots method of embodying who we want our future generations to be. And it all begins at home. So today I invite Dr. Zabina Bassin, who is the founder and CEO of In Kids With Love, whose mission and passion is to spread multiculturalism wisdom to our children. Zabina is an entrepreneur, a child psychiatrist, and the mom of two. She's the founder of In Kids with love, a bi-monthly subscription box delivering world culture to children. You may know Zabina as the partner of a Happy Her Foundation that recently merged with Chai Mamas, and it's her mission also to inspire South Asian women worldwide to lead positive, healthy, and culturally infused lives. 
Despite growing up in Southern California with tons of diversity, Dr. Z was unable to find the educational resources as a parent to teach her family about the beauty of the world's diverse cultures. As her kids grew and her circle of friends expanded to different multicultures, Zabina developed her own tools, including maps and language flashcards and crafts and more to teach her children about diverse cultures. Their positive impact on her children about the cultural awareness really was her desiring and inspiration behind the In Kids With Love brand. To ensure cultural accuracy, Z works with cultural experts from the representative country to curate the contents of the box. So from Australia to Black History Month, to India, to Turkey, to Guatemala are just a few of the boxes that are currently available. So reflecting the skills she's gained from motherhood, multiculturalism, and medicine, Zabina's company educates kids and cultivates an attitude of kindness and acceptance and shares multicultures with children. Her commitment to improving the world starts by not only empowering our children, but empowering women too. In this episode, you're going to learn why it's essential and necessary to teach kids about diversity, culture, and different traditions at a young age, how parents can start teaching their kids about culture and inclusion, and how to actually raise kids who are empathetic and global citizens of the world. So tune in to this really inspiring conversation now. Zabina, I'm so humbled and honored to be talking to you about something that we're both so passionate about, but you're in really deeply making it your mission and your purpose to bring diversity, inclusion, talking about different cultures to children. And this is more necessary than ever. And it's so on top of mind for a lot of parents. So I'm so excited to be sitting down and talking to you about this. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. You know, you're one of my favorite people. So I love talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) We, before we started recording guys, we literally were like chatting for 30 minutes and we're like, oh my gosh, we need to stop ourselves because this needs to be on the podcast and we could go on and on. And it's such soulful, like just deep conversations, but also I love you as an individual and just what you're here to do and your hustle. And I resonate with it so much. So I love you. So to your to your listeners, Tejil, I have a few friends on the East Coast who know that I wake up at the crack of dawn on the West Coast. And they're like, we know who's going to be up so we can call her or text her. And Tejil's one of my girls that if we don't pick up the phone, I will send her a voice message. I'm not a texter. I, I, I am avoiding the texting because I feel like we don't say what we want to say through it. And sometimes voicemails are all packed up. So I do voice messages. And Tejil knows if I have a voice message, it's my morning voice message. Yes. And she she and I love doing that back and forth. We don't get to talk, talk. We try planning it and it just never always happens with our schedules. But I love my morning messages from her. So she's I my- know. You know, we should actually like in general as a society, we should be doing that much more. We can just press the audio instead of it saves time. You don't have to write it all out. But it's so personal because you hear the person's inflection in their voice. And it's just so nice. I love it. And um, you've actually inspired me to do that with more people. Uh, Nisha from Love Laugh Mooch, I did that with her when we were going back and forth about stuff. And she's like, I love hearing your voice. (laughs) It's so much easier because I forget what I'm going to text or it doesn't come out right. right? Yeah. Yeah. So you are, Zabina, the founder of In Kids With Love. And I would love for you to talk about where your passion and your desire of 
sharing diversity and cultures and inclusion and empathy, just all these four things I feel like are intertwined. Where did that stem from in your own personal life and how it birthed into this mission and this business of yours? I grew up in Southern California. I'm Southeast Asian. I grew up in the city of Cerritos, which is on the border of Orange County and Los Angeles County. Mm -hmm. We had a pretty diversity. It was very Southeast Asian, which was like Koreans and Chinese, Malaysians, um, and we had a lot of Indians. Because if you're from California, you know, India town is yes. <laughs> Cerritos and Artesia. Um, and it, it, my parents moved, um, my dad came here when he was 18 years old. And then my mom came when she was about 24 or 23 after she got married to him. And, you know, those days were like, they were diversifying themselves. People were coming in. But I think mm-hmm. when I hit elementary school is when I realized how different I was that I'm not American according to I don't know who but the American people here but I was born here I was born in Santa Monica so I'm an OG Cali there's very not many of us left here but yes that's what I say I realized in those times I was bullied so much and I know I don't like to use that word because it's a very distinct word now like you know and for me it was bullying I mean, I was torn down to pieces to the point where I didn't even want to go to school. There was a childhood anxiety. There was so much depression. And one of those periods is when my mom stepped in to show our students at our school where this is where InKids really came from, is that how we are actually so similar than we are different mm-hmm. culturally, um, even physically, even emotionally. And that's where empathy started coming in. With mm-hmm. Started comparing each other, saying, Oh, I do that in my household. I do this. And I mean, there's a whole story behind this, but that was the initial reason. And then going into child therapy and becoming a psychiatrist and learning about what children need when it comes to anxiety and depression and what they're looking for, especially when it comes to their other peers, specifically that. And then this third part was when I had my own children, which was, I think, the trigger moment for me, which was. I have children now who are going to schools and I see that the diversity there and, and the exact time when InKids kind of launched and, and we felt it was around the period when we saw that there was a lot of disparity in our communities, mm-hmm. in our country. And I said to myself with the group of friends of women who I had is how do we not know each other and each other's backgrounds and how am I living the same life? that I lived 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Why is this all repeating? Why do I have to do this again? Why is this? What are we not doing correctly for our families or for ourselves or for the next generation? And that's when conceptually the idea of in kids started coming up. I mean, we had so many names for us, <laughs> but the thought process behind it, the mission behind it, the passion mm-hmm. behind it to raise global citizens, to raise young ambassadors of the world. Was because of that, you know, and if we know in the United States, we have more than 50,000 diverse cultures. Yeah. I was surprised with the research when I started, you know, I could probably name 10 on my hand, you know, I can count 10. Right. But I didn't realize there were 50,000. And that's just cultures. We haven't talked about indigenous people. We haven't talked about, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many. So that was the thought process behind it. And it was like, okay, if anything, I'm going to do something to help those parents out 
And then to give our children some sort of platform, they can say, now I know what to do and take the next steps. And then it goes into the next step of our schools where we need to make sure these kids go into schools and, and have friends that they're empathetic with, they're kind with, they're not judging them based on food, clothing, color of their skin, hairstyle, the basic things that children see that turns them into being made fun of or bullying. Those basic things. And we start that at a young age. Yeah. So the child's brain, we know, at 19 months old starts showing, We it starts seeing, you know, oh, that's my mom, that's my dad, that's my nose, that's my ears. Yeah. As they grow, by the time they're five years old, they're mimicking everything we're doing. Or they're mimicking what their peers are doing. So if we start them young enough at 19 months and start showing them different things, introducing them to different foods, you and I know in the Indian culture, they start putting that Indian food in our mouth <laughs> the day we were born, I feel like sometimes. <laughs> you know, I remember my mom wanted the honey thing for Amara when she was born. I'm like, no, you can't give her honey. And I'm like, but they do it because they're like, their, their, you know, digestive system and their, their tongue it, used to a taste, they'll get used to it. Right. So we start educating them on things that are so simple. Like, you know, look, this person has this kind of food and we have this kind of food or we read these kinds of books this is how we're all similar to you know my daughter's favorite book is um same same different different and she mm -hmm. recognizes that all the time and even before in kids was started she had reading that and now as we talk about like yesterday we talked about martin luther king jr and what he did and she goes oh it's the same thing like same same different different yeah. <laughs> exactly like that but these were the reasons behind why i am so mission-driven and so passion-driven by teaching culture, teaching diversity, teaching about inclusion, not only to children, but to parents and to people who are raising children. It doesn't have to be your parent, it could be your grandparent, your aunt, your uncle, so they can show their, the next generation what we need to give them to not repeat this 30 years later. You're absolutely right. As far as like, you know, we spent, if you're from a different tradition, different background, different culture, we spend so much time emphasizing and trying to instill those values and this tradition so they don't lose that culture. But I think, you know, children are naturally curious. So even when they're younger, and if they're asking questions, if they see like, oh, that person looks different, or that person dresses different, is not necessarily that form of judgment so far, like, you know, as adults, where we might be judging. So why don't we use that curiosity to create a conversation? And you're right, we have to educate ourselves, because largely, we have not been educated on or had maybe these, well, this is the beauty of it now. We have all these resources that are now available that when we are teaching our children, we're learning alongside them as, you know, like as your subscription box, it's you're learning alongside with your child. And it's similar with like everything, right? Like we're talking about meditation or mindfulness. We're learning it with our kids. So I love, I love this. No, it's, it's great. You just said it, the subscription box thing. It's, it's every time I make a box or I'm working with the parent ambassador, I am learning so much. Yeah. Things that I didn't even know. And I pretty much feel like I'm educated a little bit, you know, but yeah. there's so much to learn. Mm -hmm. it, it, you know, we didn't, I, did we have Google? I don't even remember if we had like Google back in our day. No. But like, it's funny because my, my daughter will say to me and Zane will go, let's just Google it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, but they want to learn. They're, like you said, they're such curious beings. I mean, look at your son. I see him all the time, like wanting to do this and wanting to, and I'm like, languages. 
Mm-hmm. It's so funny how we want to put Punjabi, Gujarati, Hindi instilled in them. And the other day, my husband said to me, because I'm so like, okay, I don't want her to, I, I, I speak pretty decent Punjabi and Hindi. And I went to school in India. So I, I, I understand some of the South Indian languages. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, she's going to get the Basi languages. Okay, she may not be able to write it properly, but she'll get there. She goes, let's teach her Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Let's teach her French. Mm-hmm. Let's get it. If you want her mind to evolve, and I'm like, you're right. She'll learn all the, you know, even Zane will. But if we can get them, they probably know better Spanish than I do. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. And I did Spanish in high school. Junior. And my kids, because we're doing construction in the backyard, like um, our construction workers have been with us forever. Like, I feel like I'm constantly doing construction. In the <laughs> They've seen her grow up and they like go communicate with them. I'm like, Oh my God, this is really sad. I can't come my, my kids will talk about me in Spanish one day. <laughs> that is awesome. That's that's really amazing. And, you know, we talk about, you know, if this is important for parents. And right now the lines are blurred, right? Like we are working from home, teaching from home, doing all these different things from home. But I know that the world will eventually go back to in-person learning at some time. But do you feel like what you've created with your boxes that could be translated for educators to use in the classroom setting as well? Oh, a hundred percent. So we have this great teacher ambassador program, which I am trying to push actually a lot more for teachers here right now. Um, what I want them to do is, uh, is to take these boxes and not only bring them into their classrooms, but have the ability to um, help them financially, the teachers and to get it into their students' houses and homes. Mm -hmm. Because they can take pieces of that and make it into a project, make it into homework, and make, especially, you know, teachers who are teaching younger children between the ages of five to about 11 years old, they can create this within their curriculum. So the teacher ambassador program, like my mom's a teacher, so that's how I knew. You know, I grew up in the household of a teacher. She was a foster mom. My mother is also my inspiration. I do love her to death, but I'm still an Indian girl who was like, oh my God, my mom drives me (laughs) But she really gave me that thing that teachers need, not only the curriculum that they teach from the district or from the state, they're trying to come up with their own concepts. And that was the situation with um, in kids was I said, we have to create a teacher ambassador program to give them resources that they can take. And then the students can take home also. And then they can do active learning throughout the same process. So it's like a, a pathway for them to go from one step to another. Absolutely. And they can do it yearly because we change our boxes every 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 yeah. other month. So right. it's nice yeah. for the teachers to do that. Yes. But the other thing I have to say is with this is our teachers are overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. They are so overwhelmed. And we as parents have to take those initiatives. We have to start at home. We have to take that little bit of initiative to say, okay, the teacher's teaching this. Let's go beyond that. My boxes at InKids goes beyond what they need to learn in school. So it helps the teachers, but it also, as parents, we need to take that initiative and say, let's go beyond what they learn in school. That's the only way we're going to have global citizens of this world. So you're absolutely correct. And just, I mean, I keep talking about the boxes, but I want to give you an opportunity to talk what, like what the company, what you guys, what your product is so that moms um, can understand what it is that you create and you curate. So in kids is a subscription box company. We not only curate, but we cultivate culture boxes. 
and that is our premier product right now. Um, we are doing, we do one country, one tradition, and one culture at a time. Again, you can't overwhelm parents or children at the same time. So we do one country and we take a tradition that we're teaching from that country. And we also emphasize on the different cultural aspects of that country. So for example, our latest box, which was the last one we did before our holiday box last year was Guatemala. And we took their weaving and Guatemalan's Children's Day and what children do there. It is a very different country than compared to the United States. There's a lot of outside play. There's a lot of play that they do on the streets. And their one thing that they do that they teach their children is weaving because that's one of their income sources also. Mm -hmm. And it's an economical resource for them to also help their families out. So they're educating their children. They're teaching them the trait. And we're also teaching children the language, which is the one thing I love because we have language cards in every single one of our boxes, which helps children just the basics. Hello, school, the numbers. And these are just basic things. Like I said, it's another way to give part of that culture back. So we do bi-monthly boxes. We do annual boxes. We also can buy the single boxes at any time on our product. We also have other products that um, In Kids has cultivated. They're keychains um, for our turkey box. We have these little Turkish tops. We didn't want to put those in the boxes because sometimes they become a little hard for other children. You don't want to hurt them. Yes. But these yes. And In Kids is coming out with a line of products within the next year or so with our own products, which is like world products, world games, world maps. World. So all these things will be starting up. So we're not only diversifying these culture boxes, we want to diversify every playroom. Well, anything that makes our lives easier, right? And you're taking the guesswork out of us figuring it out is always, it's like always what I want, right? Because it's like, that's half the work is <laughs> trying to figure it out and how to, how to, you know, put it, piece it together and what to teach and how to teach. That is fabulous. I love that. You know, you mentioned that you, you're a doctor, you're a child psychiatrist. And I get this question a lot, especially because people who are following their dharma or their life purpose and their path. Did you quit your medical profession to start your career as an entrepreneur? Or was it something that you did simultaneously? How did you make that transition? Okay, so I love this question. So I like to call myself a non-practicing physician. <laughs> That's what I like. Yeah. Because, you know, and then I got to tell you, um, in the world of physicians, um, it doesn't matter if you're practicing or not practicing, the respect you get within your colleagues is you're always a physician. You went through med school, you did residency, whatever line you chose, you chose. Um, child psychiatry is hard. So I practiced in India for a little bit and then I did a little bit here and I went into hospital administration. Hospital administration is not as easy as child psychiatry either because you're dealing with physicians all day long. And so, so it was, it was actually my trait. I actually enjoyed hospital administration. When I had Amara, I was building the leading cancer center here in Tarzana, mm -hmm. which went up. Um, I actually got pregnant with her. I went through fertility treatment. So there was a lot going on with me personally. Um, mm -hmm. I had, you know, my own history of fertility and stuff going on. But when I finally did get pregnant with my rainbow child, I always say, you know, she, she gave me this emphasis. I wanted to do more. There was a feeling of it. Um, I built the cancer center. Um, by the time we had finished it and everything was done, I got pregnant with Zane. <laughs> it was literally back to back. I didn't realize that was going to happen. And then Mara turned one and I realized I need to give my children something. I became a mother a little bit later in life. And my children have a certain time frame that you and I all know that 
they are going to acknowledge me, they are going to want me, mm-hmm. and then it all goes away. And they're like, we don't want you anymore. Yeah. So I was like, I needed to give that to them. Mm-hmm. So I didn't quit. I kind of took a back seat. Mm-hmm. In the time that I wanted to come into um, going back to work, in kids sort of started happening. The ideas of it started happening. And it, it might have been a side thing for some time. And then Zane eventually turned two and we put him in preschool and the ideas were coming. I also did call all the CEOs I know and major hospital systems saying, okay, this is what the plan is. And everybody said, if you're coming back part-time, don't come back. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. hospital systems had changed. It had changed a lot. And I didn't want to work 14 hour days. I know that's not real, but you know, it, it was a lot of work. I would come right. home my kids I put them in bed and go right back to work that's what mm-hmm. my was for. and so in kids gave me something that I was passionate about that my kids would kind of be involved in because I test everything on them yeah. and Mara and Zane are part of all the things like literally where I'm sitting is like you know because we're in construction but they come in here all the time oh we want this oh I'm like no these are products you can't take it when I was like okay maybe this is what I need to do I'm going to take my healthcare career, I'm going to take my education, and I'm going to take what I am as a mom, and I'm going to build something, and I'm going to put it out there. And I know as a diversity and and inclusion and cultural expert that your own stories and what you know is what you can teach other people. And that's exactly what I'm doing. And, and that's it. I, I, I don't think I've left medicine because I'm constantly using it. I'm constantly reading. I'm constantly educating myself because there's the mind of the human mind is constantly changing. The, the, the different types of research that's out there, we're learning all the time. And being that we're part of COVID, children are also changing. Yeah. How we grew up at a five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old right now in the last year and a half for kids, it's a whole different mind frame for them. Yeah. So I am constantly learning. I mean, I, I don't call myself a parenting expert or a child psychiatrist expert. I'm a culture diversity expert. The mm-hmm. children and parents, how we can educate ourselves and our children to have the next generation of global citizens and young global ambassadors. That's yeah. what we want. So it's the bigger picture. Yeah. And that's what yeah. I'm trying to do. So yeah, I don't think I've left it. It's still there. Yeah. I'm just not having medication out to anyone. Yeah. No, and every every aspect and every step that we take in our life helps us get, right? Like you just said, everything that you've learned, acquired, the connections that you've made has helped you in every single phase of your journey and beyond with this right now at this moment, but and beyond. And I feel the same way. Um, I like that non-practicing attorney. Because you still have the knowledge. You know, I have a friend, she's a dentist and she's she's not practicing anymore, but she's taking a different path in her life. And, and I said, but you're still a dentist. Yeah. You're never going to lose that. Yeah. You know, um, I know in our culture, and this is something that I'm trying to change also, which I can't change the whole world, but I'm trying. It's like, oh, you're not a real doctor. Okay, so what am I? Like, <laughs> did you go to med school? Because if you did, I want to know. I really want to know when you went, you know? You know, it's, it, 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 it's, you know, I still, I, I just today, I had a friend of mine call me. She's like, her, her doc, she's a physician herself. She's like, Z, I just want some 15 minutes of your time. I want to just talk through what's going on with my daughter. And I, I never give advice on the basis of, um, okay, this is, she's like, I just want to talk through it. And I said, I will love to talk through it. I will not talk to your daughter, but I have a great child psychiatrist if you want to like her to me. But as a parent, I can talk to her. I can talk to her on the basis of what my education is and what I know and we move from there. I will not treat patients anymore because 
first of all, I'm, I'm emotionally attached to children. Yeah. And so I do in kids. <laughs> so, but I, I will definitely be there for anybody who wants the advice to say, what should we do? And what's our path? Because that I can give, I can definitely give that. And that's the importance of what I'm trying to do. You know, I, I think what's happened in the last year or two, since I've conceptually come up with this as not only as a parent, but as a, a physician, but also as an advocate and an expert in what I want, what I'm doing. It, it's more or less the fact that the platform I'm creating for the next generation is for them. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing this for me. I'm going to be dead by 92 or something, whatever, you know, it's those, those kids and those teenagers who are going to run this world. Um, you know, there was a reel that my daughter made and I haven't put it out yet, but it's actually really cute. She's sitting in the car and she's sitting there and I'm, um, she's like, mom, I need to talk to you. And I said, what? She goes, the world is waiting for me. And I said, go girl. Yes, I'm here for you. Oh yeah. I'm just like, it's like, they're inspiring you know they're inspired and that's all I'm trying to do bring a little inspiration and motivation to our us as parents and adults to let our children run this world yeah. in a better yeah. way than you know sometimes we did I will tell you I was judgmental I've yeah. had to learn to let go of all of that culturally also we were taught that too you know for sure so, the growth for all of us for sure. It really is a growth for all of us. I think a lot of people like, you know, I'm like saying like, hell yeah, every time you're talking about, you know, you know, empowering our youth, empowering future generations, like planting the seeds, you know, that's kind of my language as well, too. It's like you're a visionary to do something beyond just you because you want our children's generation to live, breathe, experience life in a different way. Right. And I think people like me, you, and so many other women that I see who are creating and they have that vision of, we might not see the fruits of it or of our labor, but you certainly know that it's certainly helping. You know, like we're putting, landing the seeds to know that we're helping um, because it's a new way. It's a, it's trailblazing a new way for our children. You're not only just focused on children because you're also part of a group Happy Her Foundation that you and Jyoti created merged with Chai Mamas to now create this like Chai Mamas, Chai Girls, this bigger vision. So it's not just children. You have like a big global, you're a visionary in big street. Yeah, we started Happy Her. It is actually really funny. I felt like I gave birth to like twins or something because I launched in kids in March and then Happy Her kind of launched Literally two or three months later. Um, and, and you know the story. Jyoti and I still to this day have never I know. Met. You guys have, well, none of us. I mean, a lot of us have not met. No, that is true. We've all become super really good friends. And it's great. Yeah. And I love that. Um, so we, we, we launched Happy Her. And Happy Her's goal, which is very aligned with what the Chai Bombas was doing too, is, is to uplift women, support women, and especially South Asian women. We have been raised in a community where women have not been taken seriously taken for granted, um, especially as mothers, um, as young women, as teenagers. And when the Chai Mamas and, and so the Happy Hour was around for a good six to eight months. And then we started talking to the founders of the Chai Mamas and we all knew that we were kind of really great friends and we were aligned at, you know, doing the same things. We were like, why do we want to be in competition? Yeah. You know, uh, Happy Hair's goal was to put on a lot of events, and that's what we still are going to do. Um, obviously, we're doing virtual events right now. We're going to do COVID events, but 
Happy Her became Chai Mamas. I mean, it, it is a co-inhabitation yeah. literally at the end of the year and of 2020. And then Chai Girls was produced out of that because Happy Her had its platform. And we also didn't want it to be just moms. You know, mm-hmm. like we understand we're moms, but there's a lot of South Asian women out there who first of all are not moms, who are married. <laughs> who are not married and who are young women who are looking for platforms, who are looking for mentors, who are looking for people they can look up to. And do you realize how many South Asian women are out there who are amazing, who are entrepreneurs, physicians, who are lawyers, who are authors, who are, we have such great platforms that all of us can come together and be mentors to these young girls. I mean, you have Pyle, you have Deepika, you have Radhika, you have, I mean, these are just the names on the top of my things that my Instagram comes popping up with. You have, um, you know, a Brown Girl Mags editor. You have so many women that have built, and some of them have children and some don't. Right. Some of them aren't even married, and they're still amazing entrepreneurs out there. I mean, within our world, we have Avni from Odi Toys. You know, like, there's there's all these, you yourself, Tejal, um, Rina Patel, like, there's so many of us that can be mentors and that's where Chai Girls kind of is conceptualized. Five Girls is, is, you know, that's what we wanted. We wanted people to have an ability to contribute also. And that's where we started the contributing, contributing piece, you know, where we have all these amazing contributors coming in right now who are writing for us, who are um, putting posts up for us, who are doing all these wonderful things that could inspire other young women. So Chai Mamas have created their established, you know, platform, but now with Happy Her, we're just, we're going to a bigger place. You know, um, last year we grew and now we're growing to the South Asian women's platform. One of the things that I'm really excited about is the book that's going to be, that we're working with. You know, know, other than the events and the programs, the book is going to bring awareness um, to women um, in this space and spaces all around the world and talking about their lives, um, also supporting them and celebrating them. Moments in their lives, in their past lives, in their lives to come, in their dreams, in their passions. So another girl or another mom could read that book and be like, I can do this. She went through this. I get it. It's connecting with women from all around the world that are South Asian and saying it's okay to be who we are. And we don't have to live by those cultural barriers that have always been there for us that I think is the one thing we want to be cultured but we want to break those barriers that have kind of been aligned for women that don't have to we don't have to live by anymore yeah oh I love it no this is I mean your your work is so necessary so needed I you know I love your heart your soul and you could feel I know anybody listening to this podcast is going to feel your passion and your drive for it and so thank you for stepping up it doesn't matter if you're 40 years old you stepped into your light into your and you know what the beauty of it is is that like you know, I started this in my 30s. There are my, there's going to be evolutions of what we do and how we show up to serve, right? And so there'll be different iterations. But once you're a passion-driven entrepreneur, then like you said, I feel like the ideas just are always flowing in. And it's just the the timing of it, making it work and like executing it. And it's just, I can't wait to see all the other magic that you create in the world. And um, 
I will, I will everything as far as like how to connect with you and um, your website will be in the show notes for all the moms who want to take a look at it. And I highly recommend it. Um, but do you have anything else that you want to say before we sign off? I just want everyone to know that in kids, Zavina, you know, the platform and the mission that we're trying to do is we want people to understand parents and children that we are more similar than we are different. Mm. And our differences actually make us unique and don't separate us. And if we can live by that mission, because this is in kids' mission as well, is I want people to know it's not just about buying our culture boxes or, or you know creating a diverse playroom. It's about really understanding that concept mm. that we are not as different as you think we are. Yeah. We're actually much more similar. And if we can take that little piece we can change the world just a little bit more. Thank you so much, Sabina, for this full of like passion conversation. I loved it. Thank you. I I love talking to you. I could do this for hours. I know. Well, thanks so much, everyone, for listening. I know that you're going to be lit up after you listen to this too. So have a great day. And until next week, bye, guys. If you've been loving the Time and Talks podcast and you find value from it, I would be so eternally grateful if you take a moment of your time to leave a rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. And when you do, I love to gift you my seven-day stress detox course. All you got to do is screenshot your review before you submit it. Email it to me at thejal at thejalvpatel.com. And when you do, I'll inbox you the details of the course. This course has my go-to tools anytime I feel impatient, angry, fresh, and I come to them almost every single day. And I promise these are the tools that you're going to want to have in your back pocket too. And if you haven't purchased the Meditation for Kids book, definitely do so now. You can purchase it anywhere you buy books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble's Target, IndieBound, BAM. And you can go to meditationforkidsbook.com to get more information on the Meditation for Kids Masterclass course. If you're a complete beginner in learning how to teach meditation to your kids, this is the step-by-step roadmap that's going to teach you how to teach your kids meditation without having to become a certified meditation expert. Thank you so much, guys. Bye.